Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. We're on episode 16. I think we just jump right in. Sure, um, sounds good. And, you know, get this done. So the first thing we have is our lifestyle tip, and this was actually inspired by you. Um, I was, like, going off about something, like, venting about something, and, and you were not, you weren't partaking and absorbing the things that I like into my hype you were observing from an outside perspective and I was taking note of that I mean I've done that for you about you for a while but I think that it's it's very important for us whether at work or in our relationships or in our friendships or in like life in general to be observers not absorbers um and I'll let you share what the difference is and how you choose how you're able to always you know, in the moment when things aren't going your way, how do you remind yourself or like how is that in your subconscious now to just simply observe but not absorb it? Yeah, so I think the best way that I've learned to do that is to really have a mindset of don't ever let what anybody else is doing affect like your state of Zen and centeredness and calmness within your own mind and being. And it's difficult sometimes because when other people are upset or they're anxious and they're projecting that and they're talking about it and they're venting about it, it's very easy to let their energy affect you. And I think that's a very challenging thing. But over time, what you have to really realize and how I worked hard to reprogram my subconscious from this perspective is to remember that when somebody else is going through that and they're projecting their fears or their worries or their anxieties, it has nothing to do with you. It is literally them projecting things that they are fearful with. It's an egoic-based response. And as you sit there, you have to really train yourself to just move through it very calmly like a cloud almost just like this situation is a cloud it's just passing by and you have to objectively detach yourself and view the situation be understanding to that person but don't wrap your emotions and feelings into how they are feeling because it is not your job as a person to ever make somebody else feel a certain way or control a certain person to feel that way your job is to inherently become the best individual that you can be and focus on your own emotional state and trying to enhance that on a daily basis. It should never be to try to control somebody else. So if somebody else is pissed off or they're upset or they're projecting fear, it is not your job to say, no, you should just do this because this, this, this. That's going to trigger somebody. Your job should be, you know, I understand how you're feeling. That can be really tough. That can be really challenging. Be supportive of that person. Be compassionate. But don't try to insert yourself in a fashion that's trying to control their emotional state. Just take a step back, view it objectively, and evaluate that scenario that's occurring because a lot of positives will happen when you do that. You're not going to challenge the other person. 
you know, on per intentionally or inadvertently by things that you would say or do. It's going to allow you to really deflect their emotional state and allow you to remain calm and centered as you move through that scenario. And it's going to allow you to get better at this over time. By viewing that objectively, I think you can provide much more logical and rational points of view that can be beneficial for how that person is feeling in a compassionate manner. I like how you said don't insert yourself into what they're thinking, doing, and feeling. But on the flip side, as you were explaining that, I think that I've gotten pretty good at when it comes to people. I don't really absorb people anymore and their energies. I, you know, if someone's gossiping or saying something that I don't agree with or that's making me feel a bad way. I'm, I'm kind of able, I'm able to now zone out and just kind of just, you know, put up a face, you know? But what about when things happen in life that trigger you? You know, or, you know, things don't go right at work or things don't go right in life in just general that have nothing to do with a person, so to speak. You know, it's more like a, an event or a circumstance or a situation. At that point, you're busy staring at that thing, whatever it is, and you can either observe it objectively or you begin to absorb it and start to think that it's real. Does that make sense? I, I know you understand what I just said right there, but maybe you can help me clarify that for everybody. So if it's more of scenarios that are occurring and you're trying to practice this objective detachment to navigate them more efficiently, I think you have to have a very similar mindset in regard to these things. You have to understand that any type of scenario that occurs is happening for a specific reason. And if you view things that way, almost like this game of life that we're in, right? Like there's levels to this and as you excel through the levels and through your spiritual involvement, you begin to master and navigate the channels of life more effectively. And so if you have something that maybe goes terribly wrong in a work scenario that you have and you're like, why is this happening? And you want to get upset about it. You have to take a step back mentally, evaluate the situation and say, okay, why did this occur? What am I supposed to learn from why this situation occurred? And it could be as simple as you've work, you're working on a deal for nine months and then all of a sudden it doesn't work out and you were so confident this deal was going to go through. What is the lesson in that? Well, there could be a million different lessons in that. There could be a lesson in you have to continue to go after it and be patient. And that was the universe testing you to say, are you going to give up or are you going to go out and do it with three more clients even if it takes that long? Uh, it could be something along the lines of you did something throughout the process that maybe happened in the past that you didn't realize that's causing this situation to occur now. So that was the learning lesson. So I think you really have to mentally take a step back. And when you view things from that perspective and really reprogram your subconscious state of mind, you begin to learn from all these asking yourself, like, if this was a spiritual test, what is it? If, is there something that I can learn from this scenario? And when you do that, you're really shifting your mindset from this absorption point of view, being like, this happened to me, as opposed to this happened for me. Mm -hmm. And when you look at things like everything that occurs is your responsibility, and you are the cause of that, because usually you are, in some form or fashion, whether you projected energy that caused that, you made an action or decision that caused that, when you think about it in that point of view, it actually shifts the responsibility to you so you can begin thinking, 
okay, this occurred. What am I going to learn from it? I take full responsibility for why this situation occurred. And now I'm going to make sure that I take it, analyze it, move forward more intellectually into the future. That's like the hardest thing for people to grasp, that if something is happening in your life, on some subatomic level, on some metaphysical level, even if you cannot see it, like there's some, you are responsible for something in some way. And there's a lesson in all of it. There's a silver lining in all of it. But it's so hard to remind yourself in that moment to just kind of like take a step back, detach, and observe. Observe rather than absorb. But um, very well said. And I will add that I think this is very important. And I kind of added this to our lifestyle tip this week because I just feel that when you learn to cruise through life in this manner, I think that you're, you're not so erratic. You're not so triggered in life. You know, and, and your mood doesn't shift based on an external person or an external circumstance. And I mean, the majority of the things that we talk about on this podcast are about going within, you know, and coming from within at all times and not being so moved and triggered and like bouncing all over the place because life will always have things like that happening. How can we move more calmly, happily and more like centered every day? Something I've learned is that these types of lessons that we're discussing will repeat themselves until you master them. And then once you learn how to master them, those same lessons won't come hitting you in the face over and over again because you have learned this tool of observing versus absorbing. And then it's like, okay, the universe throws a scenario your way and you look at it that time and you don't get upset about it or you don't let it uh, affect your emotional state. And then it's like, okay. You know, there's, there's some like, you know, un, unwritten law that's really interesting that occurs that it's like, once you master that, you don't have this repetitive scenario play out because you've moved on to the next level. Yeah, agreed. Very well said. All right, on to our topic of the week today. Um, so we've touched on this topic here and there several times over the course of the last 15 or so episodes. But your the book that you were reading, um, what was the name of it again? It starts with a D. Oh, there was a book that I finished called Dianetics. Okay, it was based off that, and I just felt that we didn't go deep enough to explain this to some people, I feel. And it's about programming your subconscious mind, which we've talked about, but I wanted to take it a deep further in the sense of like, why would somebody even be interested in reprogramming their subconscious mind? Like if you said that to me 10 years ago, I would look at you like you had four heads and I wouldn't understand what that even means. Subconscious mind, reprogramming it, like it sounds like a computer code, you know? I wouldn't actively pay attention to someone saying that to me and try to understand what that means on a deeper level. And so... I wanted to kind of talk about that and discuss that. And so for me, and I think this goes for you too, like subconscious mind is your like belief system. It's shaped, Mm -hmm. right? What is a belief system? It's the things that we think to be true. And that can be different for everybody. Like your belief system is probably separate from mine or different from mine. In some things we might believe the same things to be true. In other things we don't. But it's mainly on autopilot, right? It's not things that we actively question before we believe them. Your subconscious mind 
an interesting way to think about it is it's literally an accumulation of data points and through experiences that you've had throughout your life. Usually it's all influence. It's all influential, it's all environment based to an extent. Mm-hmm. And I've had situations happen to me and I know I've talked to other people where this has happened to me and I know this has probably happened to you as well where I think there's a component that I can't explain about the subconscious mind that has to do with things that occurred before you even came into this existence because there's just too much data out there of people having very interesting points of view or very interesting attraction and draws towards certain things within their life that they have no experience in this lifetime going through you know like for example a child could be six or seven years old and he could have never watched anything about Pearl Harbor and then all of a sudden he's telling his parents that he died in Pearl Harbor and this was the name of his plane and this were the name of the people that were his partners and he went down in the in the ocean and then they the parents go back and look at that and all that stuff was actually real and accurate part of your subconscious mind but I'm talking about your belief system like the belief system here in this 3D world in this lifetime. Yeah, that that to me is that an accumulation of data points and yeah. experiences that occur within this lifetime. That like your average Joe is out there on autopilot and he or she is not taking the time to question those. So let's use examples of those. Um, I don't know, like artists can't make money. You know, the, the, the term starving artists. So if you have a teenage child who is really good at painting majority of the parents are not going to push that child into art school because they they believe that an artist cannot make money. Now, is that a fact? No, it's not. That kid is going to grow up. There's going to be two things here. That kid's going to believe what that what their parents tell them. And they're going to grow up to be like something else that makes them money but unhappy. But that kid's belief system is based on what his or her parents and society told that kid. But that kid is not 40 years old questioning what his parents told him 20 years ago, you know? Or the belief system that, you know, you need protein to gain muscle. You need meat protein to do or to be healthy, you know? Or I, the, something that I was told my entire life is how do you get your omegas if you don't eat fish? Well, plants have omega-3s in them too, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it's your belief system that you, your society, your friendships, school, your teachers you know, your extended family members, your parents, your siblings, everyone kind of creates this little bubble around you. And like you said, you start taking all these subconscious data points and you're storing them in your mind. And that's what's creating you and putting you on autopilot. It's a really good example on a much simpler level. When you're driving, we're kind of on autopilot when we're driving mentally. However, if on a certain given day you're driving to work and a car pulls out in front of you immediately, Aren't you automatically for the next few hours or minutes while you're on the road kind of like triggered and alert because you're waiting for that car to come out? It's because your experience just got programmed into your subconscious mind to to know or to think or to believe incorrectly that now a car is going to pull out in front of you. Mm -hmm. And then eventually that fades again. But we never take the time. But sometimes what's interesting is it doesn't. And it kind of, I think it depends on the situation. So, for example, oh, yeah. like there's other scenarios where, say, a person gets robbed and mugged mm-hmm. when they're in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, even 20 years later, they still have this – they're terrified of, you know, maybe a person that – 
looked like the person that robbed or mugged them 20 years prior. And it's this fear that was so traumatizing to them, they haven't been able to reprogram their subconscious to realize that not every single person in the world that looks like this character profile is out to get you or out to rob you. It, that you almost let your past experiences define how you see the world now. Exactly. Your perception is so skewed and it's based on yesterday or 10 years ago. Um, another really good example is, you know, if you were in grade school or high school and, you know, people didn't think you were the most attractive person, you know, you grow up to be a very insecure individual, constantly seeking attention or looking for those affirmations from your partner, or you're not that outgoing and open with yourself, you know, or you don't like pictures of yourself because you still think that you're not that attractive because people didn't find you attractive as a kid. You know, another example would be cheating. People who are, who go through that process when they're super young tend to grow up to be very, um, I don't want to call them cynical. Cautious, I would say. Like cautious almost in a negative energetic way. Yeah, and or or sometimes even like very, like every two minutes, that's like the first thought that comes in their head. Like this part, he's not responding to me. Like what is he doing? Is he with another girl? You know, like that, it all happens because of your past. You know, we're not born like that. But these are just small on the surface examples, but now think of it on a deeper level in life where we have these belief systems that do not serve us. And it might be creating a limiting box around our potential. You know, we could be doing so much more. Our careers could be so much better. We could be doing exactly what we love to be doing and making tons and tons of money and being super happy or be with your dream partner. Whatever the grandest vision for your life is, it's out there, but maybe there's a belief system inside of you in your subconscious mind that you have not pinpointed and that you are not questioning. Let's break down one of these because I got a really good example of some that I think could be monumentally impactful for people if they learned and believed in it. And I'll just use myself as a guinea pig here. Mm -hmm. So throughout my entire life, I have been very big into working out and fitness. Mm -hmm. And I've tested all sorts of different dietary protocols and workout protocols to see what worked for myself. I did the thing where I was doing like the six meal a day, you know, fitness regime in terms of like the chicken breasts and the rice and the vegetables. And I was eating every couple hours. I've tested intermittent fasting where I didn't eat for like 16 hours at a time. And then I would work out and I would funnel in all my calories. At that point, I've tried paleo. I've tried all these different kinds of diets that were very heavy in animal-based protein. And after a period of time, um, you know, although physically I was in very good shape, I like my aesthetics. I looked very good. I was happy with where I was. Um, My strength was really good. I noticed after a period of time, I just felt off. I wasn't like my inflammation was really high in my body. Every couple months of working out, I'd have to go get like a massage done on my shoulders or my knees. And I was eating what I thought was super healthy, what I had been programmed to believe was super healthy. And I had been going through these workout protocols thinking I was super healthy, but my my energy levels started to kind of get mixed up after a while. And I just didn't feel like I was operating at my full capacity. And then over a period of time, I began to remove animal-based protein, dairy from my diet, and went on a full-blown plant-based diet. 
And when I first did that, I did a ton of research to figure it out. And I had this subconscious programming to think, man, when I switch over to eat like this, am I going to get just super skinny? Am I going to lose all my muscle? Am I going to are my results in the gym going to go down? Am I just going to have no energy? Because I was so programmed throughout my entire life since birth, living in St. Louis, Missouri, that I needed these types of animal proteins for a balanced diet. And what I learned was after just jumping you know, face first into this new protocol and really testing it and measuring the results on myself, Within about 72 hours of taking out meat and dairy from my diet, my inflammation levels in my body like dissolved. It was in like three or four days. Like I was back in the gym doing like full range of motion exercises that I hadn't been able to do in like six or seven years after I'd had like some minor little tweaks and injuries here and there. And I was like, this is really remarkable. Well, then it took me a period of time to understand how to adjust my workout protocol to get the same results. It was a lot of trial and error and you know how many calories would I eat and different types of things to the point where today I am eating significantly less calories than I used to. I eat like a lot of raw food every day. I have usually one or two cooked meals in the evening, but the majority of what I eat throughout the day is raw food. And my energy levels are higher than they've ever been. I'm eating significantly less calories than what the standard bodybuilding and fitness protocols would say. I haven't eaten meat or dairy in over probably close to three years now, two and a half to three years. And my level of general well-being, my strength is really good. My flexibility has just enhanced like crazy. I can like just recently, I feel like from some new workout stuff I've been doing, like my posture has gotten a lot straighter. Um, I've actually feel like I've literally grown like an inch or two because for so long I had uh, the muscle on me was really restricting me. And so I was really tight. And what I realized is when I tried out some of these new calisthenics based stuff, it actually stretched my muscles out and my whole posture increased. And I probably grew like an inch or two. It was there. It was just I was being suppressed because my muscles were so tight. And what I learned through this process is that I was actually able to reach a level within my physical fitness and health that was far beyond anything I ever had in my entire life. And I hadn't taken any plant-based protein, or I'm sorry, any animal-based proteins or supplements that I had been programmed my whole life to believe I need. And what I learned from that was this is something that the majority of the people around the world have been programmed to think that to optimize your health and to be in the best possible physical fitness, both cardiovascularly, aesthetic-wise, you know, everything else, aerobic, anaerobic, you have to eat meat, you have to eat dairy, you have to get all this protein in. And it's a complete myth that's been designed by companies that are funneling these very harmful products into us and once i learned this firsthand it's like okay i've got to completely reprogram my subconscious to understand that i don't need that stuff i can actually reach much higher levels of physical fitness and and general well-being from a health perspective without it and it took me a little bit of time to get that down but once i did now i look back on it and i was like i can't believe i went my whole life eating this contaminated you know, food, like it's terrible for us. I'll take it a step further. It is 
a subconscious programming of some sort. It's a belief system, a very, very, very false belief system that we all grow up to think that a six-pack and defined arms and muscles and a big ass is attractive. That's what makes us want to go to the gym when we're 16 or 17 or 20 years old in college, right? So it stems from there. Then it goes on to people trying to become that way because the belief system is this is attractive. And then that leads you to eat and do things to your health that are not really, you know, built for longevity, you know, and for good health in Mm -hmm. life in general. So I think that I think one way to consistently be better and limitless and do things that are better for you, just like you explain in the fitness world, is to consistently question yourself. If you're going to, I'll just try to try to do some examples here. If you're going to a job and your long-term goal is to, um, I don't know, work in a different department or work in a different industry or work in a, maybe make more money within your industry, but you just don't know how, but you know, you're employed by somebody that's, that's restricting. Like, how are you going to do that? So you're going to sit back and wait for a promotion, obviously. And it's just not happening. I think that one way is for you to think that that's your only way to make wealth in your industry is restrictive. Pull back the layers of your own thinking and ask yourself, I want freedom in my, in my life. I love what I do or it's all that I know how to do, but how can I have the freedom and more monetary gain doing what I'm doing? Anything else is restricting and anything else is a false belief system that you created for yourself by observing your environment or by what other people are telling you, you know, or what's another example we can use? So I think another example that has affected the whole world that is incredibly important from a belief system perspective is our belief system around education. So like, think about this, there's this big epidemic that's occurred. That's it's, it's always been there in my opinion, but people just started to make it more aware recently around fake news, right? Yeah. So if you think there's all this news that's coming out and the news is fake, which I'm sure there is a lot of fake news out there. I think most news that you watch on the regular TV channels is it's it's it's, it's propaganda and it's mostly fake mm-hmm. and it's actually there's hints of truth in things, but for the most part it's manufactured news to instill certain emotional states within people. And if you think that is bad, imagine how altered our history books are in school. Like we have been provided an education around what we are told has happened in history when in reality that has been assembled in a certain way to program us to think in a certain fashion about our history. There is a tremendous amount of information that we don't know about that was never that was known but never incorporated into history books strategically mm-hmm. because there are different there's a lot of different reasons for that in my opinion, but Imagine what's actually happened throughout history if we had all the data points. But there's companies that have put information together in certain ways to almost indoctrinate the public to make them believe this is what happened. But a lot of this information has just been assembled by people with huge missing gaps in what should actually be there. You will notice those discrepancies between history books in different countries. Oh, yeah. So kids learn something different in India. Kids learn something different here in America. Kids learn something different there in Europe about the same, you know, era or time period. And it's all painted based on a point of view of those people, too. Correct. So that makes you question all of a sudden, like, what's true? 
mm-hmm. you know? And, and how do we know what is true? We don't. Um, but back to your education comment, I, I do think it's a, to take it to a different level, I do think our, it's a belief system, a false one, to think that or to believe that an education can get you financial security. In education, and the higher edu- higher education that you get, the more like one percent, the one percent you'll be in society. You know, you will always get a job. You'll always have job security. It's something that you can fall back on. You know, if anything ever goes wrong, I think that's a very limiting belief system that the last several generations were fed. It's the millennials who broke that now, right? They came out into the working world and said, "Nope, that didn't work." And so now I expect the next few generations to completely break the mold. And here's where you can share the Elon Musk school. Oh, yeah. So I was just watching an interview the other day about Elon Musk. And he's created a school that I think Nina and I have actually talked about before that would be super effective. But to really change the dynamic of the educational system. And what he's done is he started as a homeschool with just a couple of his children, and then he hired a teacher from the school that his children were going to that believed in his line of thought. And then they expanded, and now they've got like 20 or 30 people, maybe even more than that, that are going to be attending the school as they grow it. And basically what the school is, is he creates curriculum based around the interest and natural ability of the student. So for example, if there's a child who just loves reading and language arts and writing, they are going to tailor curriculum that helps accelerate the process of educating that individual in that subject matter because that's what they have this innate ability towards and this innate fascination and drive towards. Same thing towards math and science or something else. So they're really designing curriculum that's much more curated around the child to help them grow into a path that they have this intuitive capability towards and this drive and this understanding towards and they enjoy. The other half of what the school is really designed to do is focus around problem solving for more real-world application. So, for example, they may have a screwdriver, and they're not going to say, oh, this is a screwdriver, this is a tool to do this and that. They would basically have an engine, for example, and the engine has to be put together with certain pieces so they'd say oh what are we going to use to put this together well here's the different tool sets we have let's solve this problem by figuring out which tool could be used to do this as opposed to saying a screwdriver is a tool that does this they're actually creating a problem and then allowing the children to figure out themselves what is the tool they need to fix that problem so it's really creating this mixture of natural ability growth mindset with problem solving skills that is incredibly unique. And I think that type of mindset with education is something that we really, really need to help revitalize how we're teaching our children. And if somebody listening to this doesn't believe us, then here's what I, this is how I have to challenge this. Like, has our school system not failed us at this point? It is not a one size fits all. And that's how it's been sold. That every kid at every age should be going here, should be listening to this. You and I went out for coffee today, and I saw a girl, probably in high school or maybe a freshman in college, something like that, reading a textbook, and it made me cringe. Like, just look, all I did was flash down at the textbook that she was reading, and it made me cringe, because all I could think is, at that tender age, at that age where you're so creative, and you're so driven in the world, and you're so, 
you're, you're very curious in a positive manner about the world, right? We are told to put our head down for hours on end and memorize shit from a book. And we don't even know who it came from. And then just spit it back out on an exam. All because we are fearful of failing and then disappointing our parents and being a loser, quote unquote loser in society because we didn't get good grades. Yeah, it's a system built around memorization as opposed to education. And law school was the same way. You and I used to talk about this all the time years ago of how, like, what is this? Like, yeah, it taught me to think in certain ways to a certain level, but 90% of that was just spitting things back out. Mm -hmm. Like, my mind could figure out, oh, this is the same fact pattern, so I could morph the answer into this way. It wasn't actively teaching me how to think. There's no way. And so... I do believe that we have to question ourselves at all times. And, you know, it could be diet, it could be fitness, it could be your career, it could be your relationships. You know, some people, here's a a societal belief system that's inaccurate, in my opinion. Um, You can't find anybody after you're 30 years old, right? There's this, like, stigma of, like, I can't find anybody at the bar. Everyone's at the bar, or all the good people are taken, you and I know people who tell themselves these stories and believe it to be true, and that's what they continue to attract. And so I'm, I'm challenging our listeners, if there's anybody out there who doesn't you know, think this way, to break down your belief systems and try to rewire new ones and create new ones. And there's three steps. And when I, when I talk about these steps, it's going to seem as though they don't really fit with everything we've said, but understand that this is a foundation. These three steps, if followed for 30 days or so, can help you build a foundation that helps you build a new subconscious mind. So the first thing is when you're believing something to be true, whether it's right or wrong, you are believing in a belief is a feeling. You know, like you just believe in it so much that you don't even question it, so that's what happens. You and I have talked about growth mindset, law of attraction, and all these things. All of that comes from a place of belief, the power of your mind. You can't just think that that, this bottle over here is going to move towards me without me picking it up. I have to believe it. And that's the mistake that people make is that they try to incorporate these new ways of life, you know, the things that you and I are discussing, but they don't really feel it. They don't believe it. You know, if you're reading The Law of Attraction or you're reading uh, Think and Grow Rich, you can't just read it and do what it tells you to do. You have to feel it and you have to believe it with every ounce of you. And that takes time. That takes a lot of practice to take something new, some new ideas, some new belief system, and then to start believing in it. It's going to take a lot of work, mental work, to get to that point. So the first step, there's three steps into reprogramming your subconscious mind, is to learn how to feel your way to something. So by that I mean, you'll know all three of these. By that, I mean that if you, you know, are trying to, I don't know, create this massively successful company, you mentally and emotionally have to be there for it to manifest. Forget the middle work, the hard work, the hours, the work, the effort that you have to put into it and the email and the sales campaigns, all the things that go into building a business. Forget that for a second. You have to believe in yourself so much that even though I don't have the education, I don't have the funding, I don't have rich parents or whatever you want to call it, I'm going to get there. I'm going to become a billion dollar company. I'm going to be that CEO. You 
spend years getting yourself there emotionally, years. So you have to understand that everyone who's successful or attains something, any kind of goal, I'm not just talking about money or career, it could be your fitness goal too. You have to first mentally and emotionally be, get there. And you get there by feeling yourself there. The quickest way to attain this is that while you're falling asleep is to start daydreaming or like, sorry, start to like, as you're going to bed, like start dreaming, envisioning, like you're that billion dollar CEO, you know, your company is killing the game. Like it's doing great. It's like, you're pumping stuff out. You see yourself in the newspapers. You see yourself in the news. You see yourself doing philanthropic things. You see yourself making new partnerships. You start to see that as you fall asleep active imagination while you're falling asleep, you will automatically recognize yourself feeling like you're already there. And these are not tactics that are new. These aren't like new age tactics. These have been used for forever. Mm -hmm. Visualization is key. And just think about it from like a sporting perspective. Think about how many professional sports teams, college sports teams, everybody that will have these professional visualization coaches come in and have that quarterback be like, all right, I'm going to sit you down. You're going to close your eyes and let's visualize you running this play route and passing it to the wide receiver and him dodging and and going in. Or the same thing with baseball or hockey. I mean, this is very, very scientifically proven opportunities to go after these different goals by visualizing and attacking them. And what happens is when you do that, you are creating an energy field within your subconscious that is allowing you to understand that you can have these things, right? When you're thinking about things in your subconscious, whatever you tell it, it agrees with you. Well, this step that I'm talking about is if you do it before you're falling asleep, there's a reason, there's a very scientific reason for that. And that's because as you start imagining these things and just trying, just living in your own quote unquote movie while you're falling asleep, plus it's fun too. You're like in a much better mood. Instead of letting your mind race about your to-do list tomorrow or the things that you didn't get to today, think about the bigger picture of your life and see yourself there and start to play with the little details in that. You'll feel as if it's already happening. You're living it and experiencing it. You're going to be putting out those emotions as you're falling asleep. And there's this, there's a state called the theta state. And this is where you're hitting your subconscious mind. You continue to reprogram it with these feelings for 30 days straight by imagining that success, imagining that success and feeling it and feeling it. You're going to train your mind, one, to see yourself that successful and you will get there. And two, you're going to train yourself to feel your way to things. It's not like magic that you point at something and say, I want that car. You're going to get the car that you believe you can get. You know, if you have $10 in your pocket, I'm sorry, you have 20, 20 grand in your pocket, but you're looking at a Rolls Royce and you're saying like, I'm going to get that car. I want that car. But subconsciously, you're like, I only have 20 grand. I can only afford a Honda. You're going to get a Honda, not the Rolls Royce. You have to feel and believe and see yourself in that Rolls Royce. And eventually that's what's going to happen. I don't care where it comes from. Even if you have only 20 grand in your pocket, maybe your rich husband or your rich parents will get you one, but you'll get one. And I think that's what you start to teach yourself. It's a foundation. It's a way to create this, I can feel my way. Start at the, you told me this this uh, two, two days ago. Start at your end goal, end result in your mind, and then work yourself way into it, backwards. And you start to feel your way. The second step is, once you've done this, you have to begin to wire in new thoughts and habits. So by this I mean, You have to be able to say, I can, I will. And then 
That's not enough. Take some sort of positive action towards it. And when you do that, two things will happen. You'll succeed or you will fail. Both, no matter what you get out of that action, you're going to gain confidence, which is going to affect your subconscious mind, which is going to tell you that, okay, I'm going to do it again even though I failed, but I'm going to do it this way this time. I'm going to do it this way this time. Or it might have, you might have succeeded in your first try and you'd be like, wow, I can do this. This is not that hard. Like, you're going, and it's, start, it's going to start filtering onto the rest of the areas of your life and you will gain that confidence, you know? And something to do as well in terms of what you just said that I think can actually accelerate the process is when you're thinking like, I can do this or I'm going to do this, shift that even one step further from a visualization perspective and a confidence perspective and say, I have done this. I already have it right now. Like what you're getting to manifest that within your head in terms of I already have this right now. So you can even feel it like feel the emotions in the environment and everything as if it's already occurred. So for example, if you have this dream to go get this convertible sports car and you visualize this as your hands are on the wheel, the top's down, you're driving it, the air is blowing through your hair, like whatever that scenario is, feel it and believe it as if it's currently happening right now. And every single day when you're going after that, say, I already have this. Yeah. And, and really feel it, that will even accelerate it faster. And do you know what this does, this process, this little journey, is that it might take five years still for this thing to appear to you, but you are so relaxed on your journey, you don't feel like you're trying to make something happen. You feel like you're creating something now. And there's a big energetic difference. Like in the first one, when you're trying to make something happen for yourself and trying to attain that goal, it's it's, it's a lot of resistance. It's a lot of hard work. It feels like, you know, it's a lot of, um, it feels like an uphill battle all, all the time. But when you start to understand that you're focused on the bigger picture and the feeling of already being there, you are able to be in the moment and you're able to enjoy it and be present and create this path for yourself that ultimately gets you there. So it's, it's, it's a more, um, like a, what's that word? Like overview, like from the, it's a more eagle, it's a more bird's eye view of things at all times. That's what this helps you do. So when you wire in these new thoughts and habits, um, you start to break your own physical, n- not just your own subconscious barriers, but also your physical barriers, which continue to propel you forward and push you in other directions of life as well. The third thing that um, you should do to break down your subconscious programming is do things that you never did before that you were told no or you were scared to do for whatever reason you know like or maybe and it, you could start small like I never got swimming lessons and I'm like 40 years old and I don't know how to swim go take swimming lessons and swim you know and then you're going to continue to break these little barriers these self-limiting belief systems for yourself in different areas of your life your relationships your career your home life your social life everything's going to change because you're going to be rewiring your subconscious mind it's like I can't do that yes I can I can't why can't I do that I can do that you know so that's how you change or I want to go x y I've always wanted to go somewhere on vacation okay go do it put it on your calendar and say that in two years you're going to go to this country you're going to plan a vacation and go here like do the things that you haven't done the only person that can prevent you from doing something is yourself, right? And when people tell you that you cannot do something, 
Usually what I've learned is the people telling you that you should not or cannot do something are people that have never done what you're trying to do. And they're not here to do the things that you're here. We're all here for something different and unique. Mm-hmm. So why am I going to, if I'm just using this as an example, you're not like this at all. If I'm trying to create a brand of some sort and you have never done that and you're like in the tech space building a tech company and you're telling me, Nina, you can't do it. Why would I listen to you? You, one, you've never done it. You don't know anything about what I'm trying to do. And you're not the example. Like, who are you to tell me that? And I think that we grow up again in a very vulnerable state. It's just how we are humans. We're programmable at a young age. And we have all these outside influences consistently telling us, telling us what to do, where to go, how to be, how to speak, how to talk, how to eat, that we lose ourselves. I think we're all born with a voice within, you know, I think we're all born with some sort of art or creative factor in us, whether we create companies or we create art or we create music or we create a new way of doing something in this world. I think we're all creators and the world just doesn't allow, our society, I shouldn't say the world, just doesn't allow for that. And I think that that's why we have to do it for ourselves. Like we're our own barriers. Yeah. Absolutely. And the own things. So there's a book. Can you repeat that book again for everybody? I know this is the third time we mentioned this book. Yeah. Uh, the name of the book is Dianetics. I actually didn't think the book was that great. I wouldn't recommend even reading that one. Um, I think a better one or some of these ones we're about to list. The, the reason I didn't think it was the greatest book is because it goes into talking about some of these topics, mm-hmm. but... It literally says the same thing, in my opinion, like over and over and over and over again. Yeah, but for somebody who's new to this stuff. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely go check it out. I'm not saying it was, it wasn't like, I guess because I already have a pretty decent understanding of this, I just felt like it was trying to repeat the same thing over. It was kind of beating a dead horse, but I mean, it was definitely interesting, their approach and how they looked at it. So, um, you know, if that's something that you really think, if, if you struggle with a negative mindset, and you, ha- and you maybe think that you have this subconscious programming that's affecting your mental health, I think that would be an interesting book to read because you it really will beat you over and over again and it will give you like a million different kinds of scenarios. It will reprogram you. It'll reprogram <laughs> you. It really will. I think the, the, the reason that I had a challenge with it was because I already have a really good, I, I mean, a decent level of understanding of this stuff. You're and so, well, no, I, that's what I'm saying. And uh, so if it's, if it's more of an educational early thing for you, definitely read it. I've obviously been reading this type of stuff for years. And so that, that, I think that's the reason why I had a challenge with that one. Um, but some of the other ones that I think are really good, you want to list them off, Nina? Yeah. Subcon- um, where did it go? The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy. That's a really good one. It's been around for a very long time. Very simple, clean, effective read. And another one, so this book, I actually, I've always heard about this book for several years, but it was probably two years ago that I listened to this book for like three days straight at the gym because there's a free audio version of it on YouTube. It's by, I don't know how to say his name, but Neville Goddard, Mm -hmm. um, Power of Awareness. That book is awesome. Just the way that he explains things and these scenarios and these examples, these real life stories and how people have... You know, just by becoming aware of how they're thinking about something. Like, he uses this example of a woman who couldn't find a husband. And he's like, it's because you're telling yourself you can't. It's because you're telling yourself that you haven't found somebody yet. How about you start asking and putting it out there that you have? Start seeing it as it's done, as it's something that's attainable. 
you're looking at it as something that's unattainable. Um, but it's that's that's a great book. Um, again, there's a free audio version of it on YouTube. That's that's really interesting. Um, now let's go with our quote. Okay, sure. So. The quote that we have for today is very on point for our topic, and that is, our subconscious minds have no sense of humor, play no jokes, and cannot tell the difference between reality and an imagined thoughts or image. What we continually think about eventually will manifest into our lives. And basically, this is the concept that we've been discussing, which is what you're thinking about, how you're reprogramming your subconscious, this is the reality that you will create for yourself. And so continually be reading and thinking in a state that you want to attain. And I think another important part of this that's not said within this is always be hypercritical asking yourself questions about why things are the way they are and why I believe things to be the way they are, and always question what you read, and always question what you think, and always question what other people tell you. And this is so important because there's so much inaccurate information that just filters around, and our belief systems have programmed us throughout our lives to accept some of this inaccurate information is true because we've just been beat over the head with it so many times that we just accept it as fact. When in reality, there's so much information that is untrue that most of us believe on a daily basis because we don't question our belief systems and we don't question others that tell us things and we don't question the books and media that we see and read. And you really have to get in a habit of doing that and then extrapolating a lot of different data points and a lot of different resources and going through firsthand experiences to reach a level of understanding when you can better think that something is accurate or inaccurate. Yeah. I also think another term is be a free thinker. You know, be open-minded enough to hear somebody out or be open-minded enough that when something comes across your desk and it kind of disrupts what your belief is and, you know, don't be dismissive of it. Be curious. Be infinitely curious. Be positive, be optimistic, be a believer in something bigger than yourself. You know, like, I would say, like, take it to the next level. Like, it's limitless. Like, just see possibilities everywhere. Push it to the limit. Really? (laughs) There's just so much out there, and I feel like we're our own, we could be our own worst enemies sometimes. That's right. Um, So be, be free in your thinking, and allow for all of it, and then make your own, you know, conclusions, and shape your own life the way that you wish to, you know, shape it. Uh, guys, you can connect with Brian and I on all of our social media accounts. Brian's handle is BrianDixon06, and mine is NinaPalDixon, all one word. We're on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat. Am I missing anything? Nope. I think that's everything. No, that's pretty much it. And we'll see you guys next week. We hope you enjoyed this. All right. Thanks so much. See you guys next time.